So let's let's pray first before I get started, kind of settle my spirit. Father, um, we just bow before you. We're so grateful that you're uh, who you are, and, and we need to hear you desperately, and you're getting our attention and helping us to awaken and uh, and, and to, to, to focus upon you. And, I, and the Spirit of the Lord, you're the only one that can truly get our attention. And we're asking you to get our attention to help us uh, to see you and to, to pause and to focus, to lie down and to be led by you and you alone. And so I ask you, Spirit of God, speak through the word of God and uh, may we hear you speak, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, this morning as I got up and opened up my Bible just to just kind of begin my time with the Lord this morning, it, my Bible kind of fell open, you know, you just kind of open it up and before you turn wherever you're going, and, and it opened straight up to Psalm 23. And so, you know, it just caught my eye immediately, Psalm 23. Oh, I really like that song. Let me just, Psalm, let me just read that real fast. And, and something just smacked me upside the head reading it this, this, this morning. And I've read it, you know, a blue million times. But um, this is what the Lord said to me in it this morning. It, it said, he maketh me to lie down. Now catch that. He maketh me to lie down. And I thought there for a minute, and I thought, he's making us lie down. This isn't as much a choice. He's not saying, hey, uh, you know, why don't you take a nap, or why don't you lay down, why don't you rest? He's, he, he maketh me to lie down. I don't know if you guys, well, I'm sure most of us have experienced uh, bedtime for little people. You know, when it comes down to bedtime for little people, um, pretty much every single night, we maketh them to lie down. I mean, we, you know, we first suggest it, we first say it's time, but then after it's all said and done, we maketh them to lie down. That's how you get a little person to to go to sleep you maketh them and uh, the Lord in this period of time right now is making us to lie down because he wants to bring an integration to us that we just can't get any other way that's bringing all of our past all of our memories all of our allegiances and all that we give ourselves to that's spread all over time you know, you give yourself to a lot of stuff in the past. You're invested in it. You've made much of it. All, both the painful things and the pleasurable things. You, you, you're fixated on it. You, there's a portion of you you've left behind. And, and we do that. We do that. That's not always awful in terms of thinking about the goodness of God or the goodness of this and that and, and rehearsing the things to worship him about. But they need to end up with him. Many times they end up with the thing that happened, the way it was. And then because of what's happened in the past, we look towards the future and we, uh, we focus on what might take place. You know, what, what, are the, what are the maybes of the future? What are, what are we upset about that's coming? And we're just spread out all over time. All of our soul is given to so many things. 
and we cannot be present and focused. Not all of us. We can try, and we do. But there's levels of us that are just not present. They're not all here and now. And this is a divine pause in which the Lord is trying to bring every bit of us into this one place. It's a divine work of God. And so uh, we've got to look at God's heart right here. I mean, he maketh us for good things. But what does he maketh us to do this for? It is for good. I mean, if you read the rest of Psalm 23, he's making us to lay down in green pastures beside still water so he can restore our souls. That's why he maketh us to lie down. Um, and so we need to focus on what it is that God Almighty is doing. We need to have absolute focus on him and get our eyes and ears and hearts off of everything else. Help us collect. God, would you collect us all together into one? First, in our own individual lives, spirit, soul, body, heart, mind, and will. But then once we have come to the present moment, all of us is presently available, then may we collectively do that, looking unto you. That's what he's bringing us into, I believe. I was reading in Isaiah this, this weekend quite a bit, just really caught up in Isaiah. I think uh, Isaiah's day, Isaiah's time, and the word of the Lord that came through Isaiah is very... Uh, on time for us Isaiah 63 caught me though Isaiah 63 uh, verses 15 through 19 <clears throat> is where I want to read the heading above that section of scripture in my Bible is thou art our father <clears throat> that's the section heading and here's what it says I'm just going to read it and then make some uh, application Look down from heaven and see from thy holy and glorious habitation. Where are thy zeal and thy mighty deeds? The stirrings up of thy heart and thy compassion are restrained toward me. For thou art our father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not recognize us. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer, from of old is thy name. Why, O Lord, dost thou cause us to stray from thy ways and harden our heart from fearing thee? Return for the sake of thy servants, the tribes of thy heritage, thy holy people possess thy sanctuary for a little while. Our adversaries have trodden it down. We have become like those over whom thou hast never ruled, like those who were not called by thy name. Wow, that just really stuck, that really struck me and it stuck with me. Thou art our Father, God. But, verse 16 says this, and I'm going to try to make sense of it. It says, for thou art our Father. Yes, we, uh, he's saying, yes, you're, you're our Father. Yes, you are. It's, we're not, we really are your children. But Abraham does not know us. I mean, he, he, he's saying, yes, you are our father, but, but Israel does not recognize us. Now, what does that mean? I, I, I'm, you know, and I really do believe we are the children of God today. Well, I believe I am. I, I've rehearsed this many, many times. Romans 8, 16 is one of the passages of scriptures I go to when I'm 
getting someone to come solid in their faith that they are a son or daughter of God. Romans 18, 16 talks about the spirit speaking to our spirit and that resonating that I am a son of God. And so what that means is it's a spiritual thing. Uh, legitimacy in the kingdom is a spiritual issue. Legitimacy to the father is a spiritual issue that you only you can answer that. Nobody can answer that for you. You've got to ask God yourself, God, am I your son? And then you've got to hear the spirit within you resonating with your own spirit. See, it's his spirit resonating with your spirit that's been born again and that is one with him. And it says, yes. Or it says, no. And, and nobody can, I mean, nobody can argue with that. That's you. Now, we can be willfully stupid and, and hear what we want to hear. You have to recognize that as well. But, you, but if you're being as honest as you know how, God will be honest with you. He won't lie to you. So if you hear that, and I've heard that many times, yes, I am a son of God. I hear that. It's a re it resonates. But I read Christian history, and I read the book of Acts, and I'm afraid if any of the sections of Christian history that I really look at and go, wow, and, and the book of Acts, if those men could come into my day and my time, they wouldn't recognize me so much. I don't think they would recognize us as brothers and sisters. Now, that might be unfair because we're all generally a product of our own generation and a product of our surroundings. And these cycles do come and go. They come and go. They're up and they're down. But I think that's what is being said here in Isaiah. He's saying, yes, yes, we are your sons and daughters. But Abraham wouldn't know us. We don't look like he looked like. We didn't have the level of focus and desire for you and commitment to you that we have seen in the past i think that's what he's saying and and i understand that i resonate with that some of the things we talked about here just this week i was in the office and alan came by i was talking about the the video that i'd put out about prayer and talking about the Moravians, the Christians of the past, and how the, when the early uh, mission movement began, these young people were getting gripped with a desire for the nations, and they were just leaving home and never coming back. They weren't, this wasn't a two-week or a month-long or even a six-month-long mission assignment somewhere, and then you come back, you get furloughed back into America, and you, you know, it's not that. They were leaving for good, never to be seen again. Just go give themselves to a continent somewhere off some, some other place just for the devotion to Jesus. And we were talking about that, and I was going, just, there, there, are, uh, there are parts of that that they don't, I don't understand that. I, I, don't, I don't really have that. I mean, it's like, what's going on here? What, I, I, yes, I am the, I believe, God, you are my father just like you are. You can read the, the, the voice of the martyrs magazine and the stories that are going on globally and you can 
you know, if you're, not to compare to beat yourself down, don't misunderstand me, beating yourself down doesn't help anything. But being honest about a level of, of uh, being focused upon and devotion toward the Lord as opposed to what you see someone else going through, I think that can be healthy because, because out of that you can cry out, God, don't let me be this way. Don't, don't just let me go on and on. Lord, help me awaken to the beauty of who you are. I'll tell you when we're going to maybe pay the price. And we don't look at it this way because we know when, when we're in heaven, man, there's no tears, there's no, you know, it's, it's not like we would think it would be. It's not like a, a big measuring stick and God's going down the aisle and saying, oh, you were just a little bit short. And look at this guy, though. He's really big for me and all, but here's another. It's not that. It's all about Jesus up there. It's like just, oh. But still in the midst of that, there are some measuring sticks, I think, that we could maybe look at. I've heard this told before, you know, the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, that being seated around that table, and you don't know who's next to you, you know. You just kind of pull up a seat, and you just kind of know it's yours, and you're next to this, uh, you know, other brothers and sisters throughout history that have uh, lived and died, and, and they go to tell them their story, you know. They tell, tell me your story. What about your life? And, and uh, now I've heard this said, this is kind of to manipulate us into greater service that, that doesn't work however just for uh, for my purposes here let's say that this family next to you shares their story that uh, you know they were in the days of rome and and um, when when christians were being um, tortured and killed and even brought out into the arena and eaten by lions and and uh, this little girl telling her story yeah i watched my mommy and daddy get eaten by lions for their faith and and then i was eaten by a lion for my faith and and but the joy and that's obviously on their hearts because they're 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 now here they're we're all together and then they turn to you and say tell me your story and of course this as the story goes it's uh it's meant to really stick the knife in and tarnish you know you better have something to say you better have something. Of course, my story would be pretty insignificant in comparison. And again, I realize it's not about measuring people. It's not going to be anything about that. It's going to be just worship of the Lord. But I tell you what, there will be a moment there in heaven as we are casting our crowns at his feet who is worthy. When we have seen the beauty and the majesty, the brilliance and the overwhelming awe of who it is we live before, who this Father really is and His Son. And if we could give anything from this day to that, to go back, to give. Oh, I think that's the one pain. That, that's the one issue, we're, the, the hurdle to get over as we're making that transition into eternity with the Father in His presence, we want to give a crown. We want to throw as many as we can at His feet and to not have one or to not have as many as you could, those feelings. I, I hope I'm making sense here that, that this is the time, these are the moments that you sacrifice for the beauty and the magnificence of the King. Whether you see Him in fullness or not, it's a spiritual understanding of who He is really and the life you live because of that 
It's an opportunity to sacrifice, to give it all. And so as I see my life maybe not measuring up in those ways, I'm just like, God, would you help me, Lord? Bring us into a place to where we could see you and know you and, and, and seek for you and live for you. And again, I don't mean to say anyone at all will be boasting or comparing in heaven. That is foolishness, foolishness. But there will be, will be a sense of what did I give for this brilliant, beautiful Savior? What did I give? It is a God, it is a good God who maketh us to lie down. So we might find him. I think this is an opportunity for us to lie down and to get focused. But here's something to avoid. Here's some things that I've found in my own heart stirring up and, and, uh, and that I've heard other people because we're all human. We're all bent this way. Here's something to avoid, I believe. Isaiah 8.12 says this. Again, I'm in Isaiah, but as Isaiah 8.12, he says, You are not to say it is a conspiracy. In regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. Now, other translations are going to say an alliance. You know, they're going to say, that, and which is the same thing. You are not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you're not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. And he shall be your fear. And he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary. But to both the houses of Israel, a stone to strike a rock to the stumble over and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many will stumble over them. Then they will fail and be, uh, they will fail, fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Now what do I mean by that? Here's, here's what we can't do. Here's what you don't want to do. Because when you're talking about don't call it a, an alliance or don't call it a conspiracy, what we do is we decide, we, we, we get the us versus them thing going on, right? And, and we say, this group of bad people are trying to do these bad things to this group of good people, and of course I'm one of the good people. Everybody that does conspiracy, that's kind of what they come down to, is that they're trying to set the stage of what's being done, what's going on, so they can orient themselves properly and say, yeah, I'm, I'm the good guy, here's the bad guys. They're trying to get this thing done, and it's this big conspiracy. The problem with conspiracy is it's not clear cut. It's not clear cut. It's just a bunch of who knows what and generalities that never do quite meet perfectly, and it always leaves you with, well, hey, it could be. Yeah, probably is. It's always this shadowy something. You never do get settled on what God is saying. No, don't do that. Don't, don't call it a conspiracy. Don't decide what plot of man is going on or what plot of the enemy is going on. It doesn't matter what the devil's doing. It doesn't matter what men are doing. What God is saying is, I am behind it all, and I am a reference point that is true. I am the plumb line. You look to me, 
through this. You don't try to figure it out. You don't try to do the math. You don't go listen to this person and that person and this person and that per person. Try to cobble it all together and figure it all out. You don't listen to CNN and then to Fox and then you bring all of your collected ignorance together and come up with the perfect thing that's going on here. No, don't fall for that. You look to God Almighty who is above and beyond it all and who is in control of all and get your reference point set because it will be true. See, the beginning uh, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's where true knowledge begins. See, once the focus gets on who it is that made it all and who is behind it all, ultimately, then you can begin to make sense for what is happening. You rise above the fray and you pray and seek the Lord. God, I need to know what is what are you doing? How can I respond to you, not to anything else, to you? What's my response within my heart need to be towards you? What are you saying to me? And we seek and we search. I know I've done that. I, I want to go listen to this person and that person. I want to go into history and find where this has happened once again. I want to do anything and everything but to sit and to focus on the one who knows all. Where there is no shadow of turning and hear and hear and set everything aside to hear the one true voice. Be the plumb line, the one standard. Focus. Focus, focus, fix your eyes on Jesus. He has called this time out for his purposes. And we need to be seeking his face about it. He wants us to do this so that we could possibly have an Isaiah 6 experience. Can you all imagine having an Isaiah 6 experience? How helpful would that be to have a throne room experience in which we see him high and lifted up? And we truly get the fear of God downloaded to the basement floor of who we are so that from then, that day forward, we have a reference point to come from because we'll never forget something like that. How handy would that be? But we've got the scripture, and we can look at it. Isaiah, in the year King Uzziah died, it says he saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted and the train of his robe filling the temple seraphim stood above him each having six wings with two he covered his face two he covered his feet two he flew and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory holy 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 i don't know about these seraphim but i've been on this earth for 46 years now and i not always do i see the earth filled with his glory but i'm here to tell you it's about perception it's about what are you focused on those seraphim that's what they see god and his earth full of his glory it's a matter of focus and what do you see i don't see anything but you i've just got my focus is on you i'm filled with you and i see you and i'm taking you and i'm experiencing you and i'm delivering you because i know you we're focused on you. God, would you help us see you as Isaiah saw you high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is what we see, the holiness of God. And it says the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then Isaiah says, woe is me for I'm ruined 
because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. See, it's from that understanding that then we do what Isaiah did. We begin to respond with, Lord God, oh, help me, help me. And God obviously has given us Christ Jesus. He's covered us. But from that reference point, as we're in his presence and we can call upon his name, then our heart becomes, Lord, send me. I'll do it. What sacrifice? There, there's no sacrifice that I could possibly give that could, that could outweigh who you are. Lord, if I could just see you and be filled with the pleasure that you have to offer, there is no sacrifice. You're everything. And then we have our marching. Then we can move forthrightly in strength and with the right heart. Isaiah got focused quickly on the one thing because there's only one thing. There's only one thing. And yet we live in an America where there are all kinds of things to give ourselves to. And we do, and we have. I believe God is bringing an integration of body, soul, spirit, mind, will, emotion, memory, everything, all of it into one time and one space. Seeing Him high and lifted up. Seeing God. Let all, let God have all of your allegiances. All of your allegiances spread out all over time be laid down. And may we give all of our allegiance to the one who is worthy of it. These are the things to avoid. These are the things to let the shaking shake out. I'm reminded of when I get into allegiances and just knowing humanity and how, how we really are. The 1980 USA hockey team um, is one of the greatest stories there ever was in, in sports history. And my dad was uh, big on this. I was seven years old when that happened and didn't really know what was going on other than to be ex as excited as he was about what was happening. But as I grew older uh, and got into sports myself and then got it and then, un then started coaching and understanding sports and all the things that go with coaching and all those things, looking back on that hockey team was unbelievable. It is the, the film that was uh, uh, done for it, the Disney film Miracle. It was a miracle, unbelievable miracle. But above and beyond that, the story of this coach, Herb Brooks, and what he did with a bunch of little college hockey players to take on Russia, this team that's a dream team beyond understanding, and beat them was this incredible miracle. And here's the issues. Let me try to paint this picture. That, that hockey team that Russia had, they were undefeated for like a 20-year stretch. These were men, okay? They were men who, who had a coach who coached them over this whole period of time in a philosophy that was superior to any other hockey philosophy out there in terms of how it was played on the ice. And these guys were the best of the best, and they harmonized together uh, also. And so they would go, and nobody could touch them. The NHL, uh, you know, hockey team that, that uh, you know, the all-stars. So we got the best of the best in the NHL. They put this hockey team together, you know, like we would put the NBA pros together and have a dream team or something like that. They, they just walked all over these, these NHL uh, all-stars, okay, the best the NHL had to offer. 
coming together and, and, and making a team, playing this Russia team. They just, the Russia team just walked all over them because it's not always about stars getting together and putting a bunch of very talented people together and, and, uh, and watching them. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, you can, get a, you can get a bunch of very talented people together, but if they can't work together, it just doesn't work. When you get a team that's a well-oiled machine that has harmony and integrity and unity and it's flowing with this oneness and you've got the talent, of course, you've got to have some talent, a little bit of talent. And when, when those two meet, one is going to win over the other because that's just the way that it goes. And in this situation, uh, this, this uh, coach named Herb Brooks, he had to take these college kids who, were, who had their allegiances to their colleges. You know, they'd been just going four years to a college. And, you know, hockey players are very passionate, very intense, very tough. They'd been fighting it out with these other hockey teams, and they would meet, you know, in the NCAA finals, and they'd go to fighting and doing this and that. They hated each other. They had all, this, all these allegiances to their own schools, and he brings them together and puts them on this team. And so the beginning of the movie is them working through these allegiances that they have because they're not unified. They're not the USA hockey team. They're... They're this guy from UMass and this guy from University of Minnesota and this guy from University of Rhode Island. They, they had their own allegiances they were bringing to the team. And that kept the team from being united under the banner of USA, which Herb Brooks understood. There is no way this isn't going to work. And so as they're struggling through becoming united as he's working with them and working a new philosophy breaking them down and getting them together they have an abysmal game and after the game he just puts them to work man he starts to he, he takes, sends them through this grueling and punishing wind sprint session just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and everybody leaves the arena and the lights are off and he's still just killing them and some of them are beginning to get very upset. One of the other coaches is saying, stop this. This is madness that this coach has. He's got a plan. He's putting them through the, the, the paces. He's wearing them down, and he starts asking them after each wind sprint. He'd say, hey, you, who, who are you? And the guy would say, I'm, I'm this guy and that guy. I'm from University of Minnesota. See, they're identifying with their allegiance. And so he keeps it up. He keeps it up. He keeps it up finally. One of these guys says, I'm Mike Rizzioni from the United States of America. I, I represent United States of America hockey. And he finally says that we're done. That's good. Sends them home, and it's that moment. It's where all the pain, all the pushing, finally brings them to a new view of who they are and a new identity, getting underneath the banner of the United States and letting go of the allegiances that they've once held on to and thought that they were their life. They took up that flag, and it's an amazing miracle. These, these uh, college kids beat this, this Russia team. It's, it's an incredible movie, an incredible story. But it applies to us today because we have so many allegiances in America, so many allegiances to this person or that person, to this preacher or that preacher, and this era of church history, you know, this is a great church. 
Well, we really like Willard Tomlin. He did this and he did that, and he did great things. And Well, we really like Joe Hudson. He did this and he did that, and he was a, a great man, and they are, they're great men. Or we like this person, or we like that person. We have all these allegiances. We like what we like, and then we give ourselves to it. And Jesus is standing here going, oh, yeah, but what about the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Who is he? Do you see me? Are you so given to the allegiances of what your own soul has experienced and what your own soul likes? See, it has nothing to do with me. I'm a brother just standing going, God, would you make yourself so real to all of us that we could be get unified under you and under no one else and under no thing, just you. Would you help us to rise above all the things that we've given our hearts to? And may we fully give ourselves to you. That's what we really need to do. And I'm looking at this time period and going, you know what? God maketh us to lie down. I wonder how bad it would need to get before I finally let go of every little bit of allegiance that I have in me, that I let it go. Just like those college did, kids did. They finally let go of University of Massachusetts. I, I'm, I, don't, re I'm not, I don't represent them. I don't represent the past. I, we can't go back and redo the past. God does a new thing. I want to know you, God. I want to know you, Jesus. You're the king of glory. I want to know you. I want all of my allegiance to be to you alone. And how long? How, how hard? How bad would it have to get in America? I mean, who knows how this long this is going to go. And the longer it goes the more we're going to change, the more we'll be changing. How long before we let go of everything and we say yes and cry out to the one who is the only thing? God, we ask you to do that in us. God's always doing a new, new thing. Are we secretly desiring for God to just recreate the past? God always does a new thing. He's the only one that knows what it looks like. But we can trust him to do it well. I've had this phrase going through my spirit the last several uh, weeks, and I think this may be, it's for me, I'm not trying to say this is for anybody else, but I think this is for me, but in 1 Kings 18, 21, I finally looked it up because the phrase kept on running through my head and heart and I knew it was scripture, but I, th this morning I looked it up. It's 1 Kings 18, 21. And the phrase that kept on going through my head was, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? This is the uh, God or Baal on Mount Carmel with, with Elijah. It's that experience. I know you guys know what that is. But that's what Elijah said to the people of Israel. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And I was reminded of that Laodicea scripture in Revelation. Not hot or cold, but lukewarm. How long, I think the Lord was saying to me, Paul, how long will you 
Will you kind of live a this life and a that life? Will you come underneath me and only me? And I'm like, God, please help me to draw me up into that. I want to be a part of that. I, w- I want that. Would you draw us in this time of pause? He maketh me to lie down, to find him, to find true peace. He is the great shepherd to the sheep. John 10 says that. It says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. But are we too scattered to hear? Are we too busy to hear? Have we given ourselves to so many voices across time and we're trying to listen to those voices tell us and give us orientation as to what's happening that we don't even hear the shepherd speak? Father, I just ask you, by the power of your spirit, that you'd help all of us to cut off all voices other than your voice, that we could see you and you alone that we would know what you're saying to your sheep, that we would gather around you and follow you, that that we would be in agreement with you as you make us to lie down. That we would truly be restored by you. We have too many loves in America. We have too many allegiances. There's only one. What will it take for us to focus on and hear only one voice when we're all focused on him we will find ourselves unified and hearing the same new song and learning to do the same new thing that he's doing today that's the consolation that's the beauty of it that's the thing to be really excited about the worship that god is about to show up and is showing up even as we speak. And he is beginning to give us a new word and a new way in a, in a day in which it's time that we stop doing everything that feels right in our own eyes as they did in the days of the, of the judges, but that we would get under the King of kings and Lord of lords and follow him and what he's doing and, and what he looks like. Today is a pause. This is a pause, as we've said. But in the pause, I... I keep on going back to this thing that I've been doing for quite a long time. It's Genesis 2-7. I, I try to live this Genesis 2-7 through, throughout the day and, and keep coming back to it. Let me read it to you. I didn't mark this, but let me read it to you. Genesis 2-7 is a foundational verse for humanity and for us today. Says, then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground from bre- and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And so I, what I've been trying to, to do often and always is every time I, and then practice that is, I can just be anywhere, anytime, and I'll, I'll just, and that's a signal to me. It's Genesis 2-7. He's breathing I'm breathing in the breath of life. God the Father is present here with me and he is giving me his breath into my lungs and I'm, and I'm understanding this is where I have breath that comes from him and let me pause and take note of where this breath came from and that the breath does have a purpose and now I need to 
I need to be focused on what is that purpose. Now I need to do that purpose. And so it's helping me get centered on who God is and who I am and what I'm doing on this earth. And the breath is always there. And make sure I'm not frantic or fearful or angry so that I'm in a, in a survival state where I'm breathing fast and shallow and I'm like I'm running from something that's about to kill me. But that I'm resting, that I'm, I'm breathing deeply. That, that's a restful state. That's, that's me living out Psalm 131. That See, I have calmed and quieted myself and I'm cultivating a quiet heart because that's a heart that can focus on the one and only the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the one that can receive the word of the Lord, that can have his soul integrated into true peace because the world will have us going everywhere, doing everything and not hearing the voice of the one. The desert fathers in a period of a difficult time in church history, that's what they did. They were ejecting out of, they were ejecting out of society because they, they felt like the, the, the world was a shipwreck from which every man has to swim for his life. And so they were, they were just ejecting out and getting quiet and finding solitude and seeking the face of God and were practicing what they would call unceasing prayer. It's what they were after. I'm not saying someone should do that. Jesus didn't do that. John the Baptist did that. Jesus didn't do that. He was a modern monk. He would go get his solitude time early in the morning or through the night, whatever the Father had for him, but he had regular times of detaching and connecting, and he led his own rhythm. It was the Father's rhythm. He didn't let the culture tell him, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do all these things, and here's what an American does. Here's what American families do. Man, I don't want that. I've seen enough of what Americans family, American families become and what they do. I don't want that for my family. I want to hear, God, what do you do with families? And how do we live underneath your banner, the one true God? How do we do that? He maketh me to lie down. He maketh us to lie down. God, I worship you this morning that you maketh me to lie down. Listen, the Lord knows what's best for me. He knows how to make me lie down. He knows that my salvation right now is found in me loving my wife and my kids. He knows that I need to give myself to them in deeper ways so that I might know his love. Because I'm a quiet type of guy. I spend a lot of time being quiet. I, almost, I eject from the world in doing that. And he's saying, Paul, get, give this to your wife and your kids. He knows that I need to do that. And I'm not trying to set, we're, not, we're all a little bit different in our journey. Many of us need to just quiet down and seek the face of God and pause. Others of us need to give more of what we have to those that mean the most to us or a mixture of the two. God knows that I need these things. My salvation is found in being present with my kids and my wife. He maketh me to lie down. He's talking about me. He makes me to lie down. He's making me lie down and get do the one thing. Be loved and loved. This is our opportunity. Here's a prayer I would pray over us. May the Son of God, who is already formed in us and is growing in us, so that for us, He would become immeasurable 
and that in us he would become laughter, exaltation, the fullness of joy which no one can take from us. God, may you do that in us. Fill us with you being the one thing, the life David led, the life the Apostle Paul led, the one thing life. Philippians 4.9 talks about practicing. The things you have, this is the Apostle Paul saying to the Philippians, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. We can look back to Scripture. We can look back to these men of God. We can see the life that they led. We can look back to Jesus' life in Scripture. We can pick up the rhythm that he left behind. And he says, practice it, practice it. Practice makes progress. We get better at ejecting out of a busy life and into a different rhythm in which everything we do counts. Oh, my goodness. This is an opportunity for us to connect, and we must connect. In Tennessee Avenue, this we are going to connect. I know we, this is what's happening here. This is what the Lord's doing here. He's putting everything in place. I can see all of these things. I'm so encouraged by this message because I can see the Lord has already set the stage for that, for us to hear him. If we'll let go of and we'll look to him and everybody get into their place and walk forward with the joy of the Lord in our heart and a newfound peace in our souls, seeing Jesus being high and lifted up and living it out for the world to see. I'm excited. So here's what I'd say to you. Let me encourage you all as a body of believers. This is our time to come together, to, to pray, to seek the face of God, to get on that website and let us help you. You need to call in, give an hour of time. You don't have to pray a whole hour. I hope you would. But you can pray 15 minutes in an hour. But let's get your name on a, on a time frame within the week. And let's lift up our voice to the Lord saying, God, fill us with unity of the Spirit. And may we have an allegiance upon you. And give us wisdom that we would move with you in what you're doing. Because you have incredible things to feed us and to restore us with during this time phrase. Tennessee Avenue, you're blessed. And you are a child or daughter of God. You are a sheep, and he is the great shepherd. Hear the shepherd's call and hear the shepherd's voice today. Let me pray for you. Father, we're so grateful for what you're doing in this time period. We're so grateful that you're moving upon our hearts, that we hear you, Lord God, that we hear you. We're hearing you. Thank you, Lord. Give us grace to hear you and to respond, to be loved and to love you back. Lord, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to hear you at a different level. And at the same time, Father, we stand against a virus. We stand against a fear. We stand against what would destroy many lives and bring pain and suffering. We ask the spirit of grace, lift up those who need to hear your voice and feel your presence and know your love. We ask you, Father, that you'd fill us with a, a heart of prayer that would lift up our brothers and sisters and lift up our world and lift up our, our governmental leaders that we would pray as the church has been called to pray, that we would seek your face. Lord, that we would get into your presence and be transformed by you. 
as we need transformation, that we would stand and walk even as you stand and walk. Lord, may we look like you today in this time frame and in this day. Lord, we're encouraged that you're present to do these things. And we say yes and amen to those. So, Lord God, bless us and draw us close. And we thank you that you're even closer. We love you and we praise you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.